wow, we're all deaf now because of Tucson. I saw this as like Jennifer Lawrence saying, I'm Mother Earth, and Javier Bardem basically saying, well, Mother Earth's got a great ass! On this episode, we are talking about the new Darren Aronofsky film, which is... Mother! Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's like trying to have your cake and also trying not to shit it out of your pants. <laughs> I think in response no. to that, now, I wouldn't say controversy, no. this was an anal gate, but no. um, in Stop. response to that no. criticism, no. The like what they basically just state outright in Why? this movie is that they're in love. Like no. they're, it's, Stop. it's that no. character and no. everything. Like They're no. in a real relationship. No. No. As no, if, like, stop. that was okay then, stop. because no, every mother. supporting character shows up uh, from the Bible in this movie. This is like the Mario Party of, <laughs> of biblical epics. This- <laughs> she went to the church on Sunday morning to see yeah. what God had to giveth that day. Uh, you were probably with, like, the worst people ever. Like, they were, they're automatically going to hell. You included. They- Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Darren Aronofsky film, which is Mother, starring Jennifer Lawrence. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com. Or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome into episode 127 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my guys. Hey, I'm Alex Diekman. What's up? <laughs> Nick Cheney. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Can we start over? <laughs> I got confused for a moment. Toussaint Egan, also here. Second no. week in a row, it's a new record. You know, yeah! I was going to open with something, but then I was just like, <laughs> why even follow that? I love, I love his, what? His, his I, will I, I just fucking give up. Like, his, like, whatever. His will gets destroyed yeah. very easily. Yeah. Bye. Hi. And, and the female cackling in the background. Hi, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cackle. <laughs> it's mother! No, you should be cackling. Is this Anna, is a cackle judgment-free zone. No. Anna Bodizadu joining yeah. us for like the fifth or sixth time. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, it's either four or five. Damn, it's been a minute. I'm sorry, the fourth or fifth time. Every time someone okay. comes on, I always want to count everything they did, but I'm not going to do that right now because I can't think of anything right now. Okay. Except Mother. <laughs> she did the Django episode with us? She did. Yeah, yeah. and Suicide Squad. Yeah. Suicide Squad. And something else. She oh, Rogue One. Rogue, Rogue One. One. That was the other one. I, I forgot, forgot we Rogue watched one. that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's okay. It's the rest of America did, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for welcoming me back. Oh, no. Of course. Enjoy Always glad to have you. Oh, no. Yes. yes. You bought some delicious I'm drinking it right Ranger, now. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stuff. I is. definitely risked my life going to that sketch liquor store, so you're welcome. Well, you did. So. it was worth it. All right. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, luckily, you got You wouldn't have been on this podcast otherwise, so it was worth it. Yes. It was 50 50. It was either beer or death, so it's good. Well, I didn't say that. I mean,. I'm willing to take those chances. Yeah. That, that's good. You know, that's a true warrior. Thank you. It's great. Yeah. 
On this episode, we are talking about the new Darren Aronofsky film, which is... Mother! Yes, thank you. Tucson really has that down. I he does. You. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Yes. It's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, so this film, uh, Darren Aronofsky's had a couple winners in a row, actually. Critically uh, or monetarily? What or personally. No, I mean, I, I, like he feels good about those films, but nobody else does. I mean, should we talk about Darren Aronofsky in no. general? I mean, we can. I, I mean, mean I, think, saying, I think it makes sense too yeah, because I'm not I would like we to. have to okay. like okay, give I, a. I'm, I'm going to sidestep Noah here for a second. Okay, but I was going to uh, say the last the, one with Noah. The, which the was two films I was well. referring to were Black Swan and The Wrestler, which were both very good. The Wrestler is honestly a phenomenal film, and it's mm-hmm. the only film of his that I like. Well, you don't like Black Swan? No, no, really? no. But it's the only film of his that I love. I okay. will say I like Black Swan. Okay. Um, I don't. I haven't watched it since the theaters. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Wrestler, I watch frequently. I have neither seen Black Swan or the Wrestler or Noah. Um, I've only seen. You've seen. I know Pie? you've seen. I know you've seen the Fountain. No. No, really? he's only seen Requiem for a Dream. I've only seen Requiem for a Dream and Pie, and I enjoyed Pie. Ass. Ass to I've seen ass. Ass, ass to ass. Great. Thanks, guys. Yes, I've You're seen welcome. Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. Okay. I remember I the bought... Fount- the Fountain is one of the worst Can pieces I tell of a shit Requiem, ever seen. So. Requiem for a Dream story really quick? I maybe. So me and my grandma were... No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that was a joke. But... Um, for serious, I, when I was in high school and I was just getting into films, so I kind of barely knew anything, but I had heard of everything, you know, that right. kind of mindset. Yeah. So I kind of had, um, we had a poker night with a few of my buddies and they like to play poker and I like to put on movies in the background because we hosted <laughs> it at my house. Wow. That's and fucked. That's fucked. I would think 90% of the stuff that I had chosen were like they got into, you know, like Donnie Darko, that kind of like primo teenage yeah. like this is better than it is and i'm not saying fight club maybe yeah yes. exactly like mm-hmm. just this, like yeah. this is meaning this is deep right. man you gotta watch it twice and i still like fight club and donnie darko but they take on different meanings when you get older and sure. you realize that they're somewhat uh whatever mm-hmm. well a film that i had heard was really good was requiem for a dream <laughs> did you hear why it was good you no just heard it was good i just heard it was supposed to be a powerful story you, so. le- you learned yeah i did so you learned a lot um, you know, and which is like the opposite of today me, because like now I'm like the complete opposite when it comes to like when I put on a film, I usually know everything about it before I watch it because I just if, I, if you've never seen it. Yeah, like I'm just obsessive compulsive and consuming anything about a movie, even if I haven't seen it. So anyway, I one time forced uh, my friends to watch Requiem for a Dream because we couldn't turn it off. You know, like I mean, once it gets going, you're like, OK, uh, but then the dildos came out and there was a. There was a palpable, uncomfortable tension in my basement that night. (laughs) Yes. And the next week you put on Eyes Wide Shut and everything was fine. Uh, I wish. (laughs) It's a great movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. So, at any rate, um, we've mentioned most of the the titles, actually, that people would know from uh, one Darren Aronofsky. Uh, And yes, Noah was a bit of a failure at the box office, but... I still say that uh, Black Swan and The Wrestler are both very good films. So this film, Mother, centers around a couple's relationship that is tested Aww. when uninvited guests arrive at their home. Hate that just the way. Disrupting their tranquil existence. The film stars Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem playing the roles of Mother and Him with a capital H. Mm. Don't forget about that. Capital mm. H. Yep. Oh, mm. Heroin. <laughs> 
and then the two main supporting characters are played by Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. And then you get a couple of other people who you may know showing up, including Dom Hal Gleason and his much less known brother, Brian, who actually looks way more like their dad. <laughs> um, and then also randomly. Yeah, Chris- Dom Hal Gleason as an Ed Harris son is just not correct. No, <laughs> kind of like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer clearly cheated on him. Well, that's. <clears throat> Ouch. Uh, and then Kristen Wiig shows up randomly for yeah. a while at the end. We're going to talk about Kristen. We're going to talk about Kristen Wiig. So this film. <laughs> this could be the main crux of this. No, episode. it's going to be one of the crux. This film has gotten um, quite a quite an interesting. Um, it's had quite an interesting. It's split down the middle. A lot of people think it's good, and a lot of people no, think it's I, shit. I wasn't even. It's gonna, punk. I wasn't even. It's so punk. It is. I wasn't even going to go there. I think this film has succeeded in that it wanted people to talk about it, which it has done. That's there it, are a few moments very in your... desperate. It really does. It sounds, it's it sounds, a Hollywood it sounds, film. It sounds really desperate and needy, and it sounds like Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Let me just say, there are a few moments you know you remember in your life. You remember the first time you heard the Beatles. You remember the first time you watched Mother. <laughs> And like that's it. Like it's, there's nothing. <laughs> I literally else. have no other life experiences besides no. listening to the Beatles and Mother, which is fucking awful. Except no, the for the Beatles are it's kind of yeah. 50-50. I mean, they got some good songs. I really like the Beatles. Well, they have a lot of good songs. Yeah, they got some good songs. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't listen to them every day, but you know what? I can always enjoy the Beatles. Like, yeah. Good. So anyways, I feel like this film has actually succeeded in what it was going out to do. Uh whether that's good or bad, I don't know. So punk. Yeah, because this is uh, definitely a interesting film that's elicited quite a few reactions from many people. And um, it seems like the reactions to me, at least uh, from looking on the internet, are getting a little louder as people have piped up now that other people have voiced their opinions. And we know Darren Aronofsky went out of his way to make comments about this film before it was released and then afterwards because he's kind of a piece of shit. Um, (laughs) So I don't know who wants to start here. Um, I'll go. Okay. I mean, is that all right? Yeah, that's totally fine. No, Nick, it's not. I'm kidding. You have the floor. Well, Anna. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Well... Uh, yes. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, no. no. I, I didn't start, so okay. I'm glad. Okay, good. <laughs> What's up? I just wanted to end this by saying that this Tucson... <laughs> this episode happened... <laughs> this episode... This Tucson. This, Tucson. this, this iteration of Tucson this that was spawned at the end of, yeah, of Mother that will continue on to another Tucson and another oh Mother. God. It's like Doctor Who in here. Yeah. He... Yeah. And he... <laughs> As long as he doesn't wake up as a female, as everything's fine. Why not? Um, this Alex doesn't know what the fuck's going on. That's correct. <laughs> now, Toussaint is was the driving force behind this episode. Don't put that on me. I will. Don't. I absolutely don't will. nail me that cross. Uh, you kind of have. Ooh. Don't make me that baby. Yeah, that was a cute baby. We should do an episode on Mother. It was I a want CGI to do an baby. Just like American Sniper. Guys, we're, no, that was a guys, doll. That was a doll. We're all over the place, just like Mother. Maybe I should just start off. Yeah, you can start if you want. I really don't care. Yeah. Go. Okay, so I was, you know, I was interested in seeing this because, as I explained before in the previous episodes, like, I was really drawn by the poster art that was drawn by James Jean, who's one of my favorite artists. love matriarchal movies. I like, I like interesting movies, and I like... 
aesthetically aesthetically beautiful films, and I you thought have that, an Oedipus complex, and I thought it looked good, and I liked the the trailer enough, um, and some of the imagery in it, and I was intrigued, and I didn't really know anything about it like everybody else. Who is this mother? And I was looking into like going into it and like seeing. I even watched Rosemary's Baby beforehand because I had been meaning to, and this was like the perfect like motivation to go see that. And that's a great movie, and Roman Polanski needs to go to fucking jail. Um, but then we decided to um, go into seeing Mother, and like I thought I was pretty primed for what was going to happen. I wasn't prepared at all. Um, the The first half, I you and I saw it together. We saw it together. We saw it together. Um, we were in this. Yeah. How many people were in the theater? Actually, it was, I mean, I wouldn't wasn't full. It was but half, it was, but it was, it was definitely a crowd. Yeah, okay. it was crowd. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Do you have any walkouts? Uh, no, no. And I was actually halfway through. I was waiting for it. Yeah, like, <laughs> not because I was like, this is so bad, but yeah. I was like, how is half of this audience, or how is this entire audience, like? still on this wavelength to want to see what happens next. Right. Like, once you get to the third act, I kind of understand, like, sticking it through or whatever, mm-hmm. but I was surprised that nobody before that was like, yeah, fuck this, I'm going to Taco Bell. <laughs> Continue. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah. Um, so, I have to say, honestly, the first half, I was intrigued, like you are when you're, like, presented with a puzzle box and you want to, like, put all the pieces together and you want to see how this, this this fits because there are things that are very apparently from the beginning there's something sinister going on, and something is askew, and I'm trying to draw the lines between these two characters and their relationship sure. to the house and also to the people that are in- entering and exiting out of this house. Um, I thought it was intriguing, but it was also sort of boring in that when I was watching it, I felt as though Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem and later Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer, they were not acting like people. They were acting like archetypes, and once you clue into what is actually happening on screen, it makes sense, but I still didn't think that going into it and just kind of like working that on my own, I was like, I don't think I can say I enjoyed that. And then as soon as it like tips over over the point of going crazy, um, I can't say that I was bewildered by it. I was just more of I don't. I didn't know it was possible for me to be so overwhelmed by something that I was then subsequently underwhelmed by it. Like I was just not phased by any of this. It felt like you were just throwing a bunch of shit on the screen, and it's very well blocked. I think that a lot of the the crazier like instances of of violence and destruction that happen in the house are are interesting in and of themselves. But it's just like in the context of this film and trying to follow it and put it together, it just really didn't do anything for me and walking out of the theater i i have to say that i'll be honest i didn't really clue into the religious allegory all the way like i really more of saw of it more as an allegory for the creative act and in that way i was very much disgusted by it but then going to the bar with nick and like talking it out more is like i saw that that was really the top level um allegory that was going on really what i was doing at was the bottom level which seemed to be more at the heart of perhaps inadvertently reflecting Aronofsky and his own views on the creative act and the place of using your one's personal life as fodder in order to satiate that desire for great art. And I thought that was my, my, my initial impression was that it was very toxic. Uh, it was very nihilistic. It was a little disgusting. Um, I think that it's impeccably well filmed. It, 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 I, I think that, 
these 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 images are very very well filmed and very well framed, but all the symbolism just eventually like combines to mean everything and therefore nothing. It tries to aim for everything and then it doesn't really hit anything. And it, for me, it didn't hit anything for me. So that's my my opening thoughts on that, and I'm going to go into more depth about this. Nick, you've been patiently waiting. Yeah, no, I pretty much agree with two cents. Uh, what he's been saying, I I was pretty much not on board with it almost from scene one. I would not from scene one. I'd say maybe after the first act because I, I clued into a few things uh, at the very beginning, which is I'm like, oh, this might be uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf mm. uh, spiritual successor where two couples are going to have to exist in the same space and maybe that will kind of horrifically uh, change them in some way. No, that would be interesting. That would be. <laughs> but um, that is largely discarded. Uh, like Aronofsky gets comfortable with that just so that way he can upend that and start inserting every biblical uh, trope that he remembers from CCD classes. And Would you mind uh, unpacking that? What do you mean by biblical references? Well, it, What does that relate to? Every supporting character shows up uh, from the Bible in this movie. This is like the Mario Party of, <laughs> of biblical epics. This <laughs> I just imagine them on that one level from Mario Party where they're on, on the, the ice mountain with the balls yeah. and they're trying to push they're, each other off. It's and fucking Adam, chaos, And man. Adam falls off. Um, and Kane pushes Abel off and that's how he dies. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you they, just summarized they, Mother for a they, they fucking do bumper bug balls and everything. You, yeah. you name it. Who would be um, Wario? Yeah. Who would be Wario? I don't think there is a Wario because Wario is too precious for this movie. I think... I think Wario would be both God and the devil. Oh, okay. Let's not get political. Sorry, um, <laughs> political. Um, well, okay. So uh, the very first scene, you're basically shown there's forbidden fruit in this uh, mm-hmm. basically garden because we're seeing that the entire house is enshrouded in grass, so it's its own creative uh, flourishing. It doesn't have a space. driveway. Yeah. It doesn't have any walkways. It's or something anything. that's been in some way built from the ground up uh, to thrive in and of itself. Uh, then we, of course, get a very um, Adam and Eve vibe with the whole masculine feminine thing and the original sin going on. Then, okay, even if you didn't clue into that, because at first it's mostly just a uh, stage play-esque mm-hmm. examination of these two couples. But then Cain and Abel show up, uh, the sons of... <laughs> The Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer right. characters, who are literally two feuding brothers, who one accidentally kills the other and runs away. Um, yeah, um, just to no, no, yeah. to piggyback off of that, the whole like stage play presence in that way is like I I felt like initially when I was watching this, once you realize who like Jennifer Lawrence's character is, and there is a a a, a sort of conversation between her and Michelle Pfeiffer's character of Eve. Where she's like talking about, it's like, why don't you guys have kids? Then you'd be making something together because all of this, this house, this is just setting. But then you realize, like, well, like Jennifer Lawrence is supposed to represent Mother Earth, and the house and the adjoining property is supposed to represent that Earth, and that they are synonymous. And so it is, of course, like, of course, she wants it to be perfect. And she wants to be a paradise because it's an extension of herself. But ultimately, what she ends up being is just setting in that yeah. way and so when you you see those scenes and how they're framed from the back like walk like they're they're viewing the fight between 
uh, Donald Gleason and the other brother and Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Like when I was watching that, and I this was before I I, I understood who Jennifer Lawrence was. I was just like, this looks like some type of like community theater play and I'm like watching it from behind somebody's back and it's like a telenovela but it's actually in good focus and I'm just like yeah that's like how a lot of these 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 vignettes a lot of these scenes are especially um in the in the morning scene yeah 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 well they're literally of... asking the wall what does <laughs> what do you think yeah yeah well speaking of the whole like Jennifer Lawrence if she represents mother earth you know you literally have characters respecting what she's done with the aesthetics of the place just like how we always admire a sunset but then in no way uh respect any um uh, directives given by Mother Earth, so to speak, where she tells people not to sit on the sink because you'll mm-hmm. ruin it. And so the whole uh, loss of innocence and the way we trash property while saying we love the environment is, you know, very much a whole pro-nature uh, Earth type uh, mm-hmm. semblance. Uh, moving past that, though, then you get into the whole immaculate conception happens. Um, I'm just saying that the the movie established the fact that they weren't fucking so even if it's a spiritually immaculate conception, it's the idea where the baby was born in a situation in which one could not be born. Um, and then that baby in and of itself becomes a symbol of a pariah. And um, it literally cannibalism is communion. And I, mean, I could go on and the, on as to the where baby, this... The baby was born out of an act of... of... Half rape? Yeah. Or a lot of rape? No, Depends. I don't think that was rape. Are you sure... Are you sure? Hold on, hold on. We're getting into good like luck with this territory like when here. She... So, I mean, I she's pushing away and screaming no. Yeah. Yes, but, oh, but, yeah, okay. but then, but then, then she sort of she's into, it. into it. But then she's into oh, it. But then, then it's not she's into it. Anymore. So, I'm just so, like, so it's okay. Oh. Thank you. I agree. You know what I'm saying. No, yes, I do. I, I, I'm remembering no, 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 more details you're not, you're as you're bringing it up. Exactly. Yeah. Just hold on. I don't want to like attack you. No. Because um, I, I agree with what you're saying, which is because think about it this way: they woke up and she was excited, so she, she's not like she has lingering, shall we say, trauma from what happened. I think the idea in that scene in which Javier Bardem uh, uh, initiates yeah. that let's call it initiates for right okay. now. Okay, it's forceful, it's uh, degrading and whatnot. And I think that's because before that act, I think she was, shall we say, angry at him. So Mm -hmm. it was less that she didn't want to have sex with him, but more just that you don't get to do this now if you treat me like shit then. But all couples fight, and she does want a child. So she ended up using him just as much as he was using her. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't make it rave. I'm just saying... The only complex thing that may have happened in this movie is a sexual assault. Is it rich? Is it's God? <laughs> I mean, Thanks, Zeus shit. Zeus raped a lot of women as a goose. He turned into a as goose. A goose? <laughs> yeah, he tur- he actually turned into a Zeus goose. Zeus raped a lot of women as a goose. And, wow. and then hung them by a noose. How? <laughs> that's how, her- that's how Hercules here. was born. Thank oh. you. Yeah. Wow, well, how about them hoggers? Yeah. <laughs> he he literally like would go down to Earth and go. Let's not say literally. Would, <laughs> this is Greek Zeus, fucking mythology. Zeus would go down to Earth and go. What's yeah. the term for it? Fuck. He would go slumming. He would go as a goose. Yeah, as a goose. Stick he, his he beak would, where he, his beak didn't belong. Yeah, he would. He oh my would, goodness. Yeah. The problem is, I just picture Zeus as the Disney animated. Yeah. Uh, with the cute little blonde hair and the. Well, that's the Hercules. Adorable. 
No, Hercules he, had the blonde hair. Hercules doesn't had, he have blonde hair too? Zeus has anyway, I know what Hercules looked like. He's got the purple toga. Back, back Spe- to mother. Speaking of, speaking of rape, Zeus has the uh, voice from Rip Torn in that film. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, it's been a while. Rip Torn's this got so the very rapey sound oh. in... Um, what was that movie? Oh, uh, the, the Man The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, the Man Who Fell to Earth. That's not how my father did it. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll wrap up my original thoughts on Mother, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say that I thought it was very silly. By the time the third act started, I was in no way in, not into, but I was in no way engrossed in the growing tension that the movie wanted me to be engrossed in because, largely because, what I don't understand is I don't think Aronofsky knows how to ratchet up tension. I think he knows how to film it, and that's different than knowing how to edit it. Because here's what happens. You you have a, a, a break this up into thirds, right? The first two thirds is a paranoia thriller. We're not really sure what's happening. It's supposed to be taken literally. Mm-hmm. If any of this means anything or nothing, whatever. But all of this almost... Uh, implicated and suggested. Then the third act comes, and we're explicitly told that not only is every horror that uh, Mother is conceiving uh, uh, is literal, but it's also happening at such a rate that it becomes diminished every new step of the way. And so when we're introduced to the rhythm of this movie and the movie cannot deviate from that rhythm, there's no tension. Because if I know that every time she closes the door, the next time she opens it it'll be more fucked up and progress from the last time she was in that room then it's not weird or surreal when she does it if anything it becomes less surreal the more it happens and it becomes this weird uh straightforward farce and i do think parts of this movie is the black comedy but it's not funny enough (laughs) to like just live on that so overall i thought this was a ridiculous mess I thought the biblical uh, structure was just silly I would have been way more interested in a character piece a la Black Swan where I was more invested in what was happening to a single person so I, you know Jennifer Lawrence screaming that people are making a mess is certainly horrifying in, a, in the real world people but are making a mess they're painting our house I know the, those <laughs> bastards um, but in general people I just see, thought this was too silly for that, me to take seriously that's her house to paint okay oh that's fine that's oh her house. So, she doesn't want the black people touching it no so. she doesn't want people in general like painting it because like that's not what she wants that's yeah, what she's that's against what, that, that's, that's them interpreting what she wants but they're not actually asking her. Like nobody asks her really what she wants. She won't even when, let people when, procreate when, in her when, bedroom. When she, when Ed Harris comes in, when Ed, Her- hey, Ed hey. when he when he's first introduced, like you notice like, how Harvey Bardem is always speaking for her, right? And I'm just, oh man, my wife, she loves company. Oh, we've always wanted to have kids. Oh, she's like, she's not a drinker. I drink. And I'm just like, no, no, she's not a drinker. I'm just like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, he really sucks. He does me. that shit. All the yeah, time. Well, I, I don't understand that when that IMDb, and I know IMDb synopsis are stupid, but I definitely think <laughs> that that was probably provided by Aronofsky because I genuinely get the the sense that Aronofsky thinks that this was a tranquil home. I'm like, no, this was a manipulative, abusive marriage, and then two assholes came See, in this is, and blew it up this, even more. This, this, is, this is why I, I really do not fuck with this film at all. Because I, it just clues into something that there, there, there's an unspoken, 
there's an unspoken sexual standard. tension. No, between no, us. there's an unspoken, there's an unspoken so sort of um, perspective on relationship dynamics that I just cannot fuck with at all, and it's just. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about it at length more, but like let's let's. Okay, Nick, did you want to say anything yeah, no, I more? Finished. Okay, so okay. like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can't defend this film. This is not a great work of art or anything like that. It thinks it is. It thinks that's, it is. That's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this thinks it's a very important film that's saying a lot about overpopulation. And Can I say before Bible, you get into like, like yeah. big, big idea, whatever, I feel like this is, I finally get what people felt like when Birdman came out. <laughs> I <laughs> like Birdman yeah. a lot. Yeah. And a lot of people, not a lot, but like a certain group of people thought that was awful. And I'm totally on that. And so I, I forgive anybody who hated Birdman because I totally get it, what it feels like to be on the other side. And and kind of tangentializing and then I'm going to wheel it back to you mm-hmm. um, about this film, like trying to say a lot of things. Darren Aronofsky likes to say a lot of things about this film and likes to like hold your hand and give you the fucking cliff notes through Vulture and, and New York Times interviews and just basically just – whine and bitch and moan within the first week of this this film's release when he knew he apparently didn't know that this was going to like elicit that sort of response so he should have been prepared for that and let the film breathe on its own if it really had a lot to say if it really had a lot to say then he should have let it say it on itself he couldn't wait for people to say it's 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 like it's negative and positive mm -hmm. it's like looking at the flip side of a coin where you have like you have darren aronofsky who is basically like backhanded he, he he's basically insulting his own audience because he's saying oh they they didn't like it because they didn't touch on the allegory no we touched on the allegory it's just shit allegory um and then you have the other side of the coin when it comes to a director like say david lynch who's like when you release a film they want you to talk about it but the movie is the talking <laughs> Yeah, I mean, David Lynch is famously, I think, encapsulated in the one-word response when someone said, no, in, I can't remember what movie they were talking about. No, he about. said, said Eraserhead is my most spiritual movie. Yeah. It's like, why don't you talk about that more? No. Yeah. He said, can you elaborate on that? No. 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 See, I think it's funny that Aronofsky kind of takes that that approach to, you know, feeding off of the criticism that he's getting because, of course, apparently... Oh, he's he, beating it off, for yes, sure. Yes, exactly. He's, he's really looking for the attention because I... I saw something else that was like a producer saying something like, well, people would have treated, do you think people would have treated this differently if this was like a Netflix release? No, no. I really people don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did you see that just... fucked up thing on Netflix? Nah, man, I didn't see that fucked up thing on Netflix. Exactly. Netflix, you can pause, <laughs> but yeah. And shut off easily in the comfort yeah. of my own home. See, this is cluing into, and I keep on circling back to this because like literally, Javier Bardem's character of God is a parallel to that of Darren Oski himself. And I feel like he's revealing that a lot. Because Darren Oski. Darren Aronofsky, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like he he just <laughs> he's like so desperate and needy and just just such a fuckwit. Hey, okay. He just wants to write his art. Uh-huh. Okay. He just wants to tell you how great he is because he went to Harvard. Yeah. I mean, guys, we really should and, respect that. And he's banging Jennifer Lawrence now. I was going to yeah. say, his whole inspiration for his art is basically the music video by the Lonely Island for I Just Had Sex. <laughs> like, it is just him finally getting his juices flowing because he was able to blow a load. Wow. 
Thank anyway. you very much for that. that Alex, return to your... Does, 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 does Darren Aronofsky, by the way, getting back to the Jennifer Lawrence thing, does he come off a little bit like Vincent Gallo now? Uh, Considering he didn't have Lawrence uh, give him a real blowjob on camera, I would say... It's not a very fair comparison. No, no, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying he, he's working his way <laughs> up the ladder for sure. Yeah. Uh, but... Don't want to put him in that group quite yet. No, he's just like the next rung down. Because like he casted her and she was really into it and then they're dating. And eh. Now, do they start dating before this or after? I think they started not dating after, during filming. During, during filming. Yeah. That's f- okay. You know what? Forget Darren Aronofsky. What the hell, Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> I Okay. I feel like in any under, other context, it is bad to date your boss. But in this yeah. case, it helps their careers. Can we, so, like, can we talk about what Jennifer Lawrence said about this film? Well, what did hold she on. Say? Or do you want to get into that? Yeah, go okay. for it. That's fine. I kind of want to. I kind of want to get into that because I, um, I saved the link for that. Oh, um, from Variety, where she said that this is an extremely feminist film. Mm. Okay, <laughs> so well, yeah, it's called Mother. <laughs> I'm gonna, and it has an exclamation. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the quote. Yeah, it's not passive. <laughs> I wanted to make a, a film about Mother Earth um, or Mother Nature, so we're working on an allegorical level where it's dealing with these big symbols. To me, this is an incredibly this is incredibly feminist in the way that these Victorian patriarchal novels show these loving, amazing husbands that are very slowly and delicately t- taking away their wives' dignity. Like talking about reading Jane Eyre. To be a feminist movie, you don't have to be all women and be all aggressive. Before we knew what feminism was, people were writing these novels that showed women's strength being drained from them. I'm just like, so this is a feminist movie because it shows a woman being gaslit, groped, abused, um, having her child torn from her, subsequently then groped and then beaten and then self-emulating herself. But at least, but then then you say it's like no, but she rebelled and reclaimed her own personhood. No, she didn't because she literally had her love, her heart torn out of her body, reduced to a husk, and then resurrected into another form of a woman. Like the reason, like like this. The, 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 wait a minute. Let me let me finish this thought. Let me finish. Let me finish this we'll thought. We'll get there. Okay, because we'll then because then we have another thing. We have another thing that um, that Aronofsky himself has said about what he intended this film to be. And he said that he wanted this film to be a punk movie. He just wanted to punch you because he's, he's, re- he's reacting. Oh, he didn't say he wanted this to be. He said it is It's punk. a punk film. It just punches you, right? And I'm just like, you know, this film, it, it shows a mirror. It just holds up a mirror, which I actually read a take about this film on Polygon by Ben Couture that said that Mother is a mirror, not a lesson. And when I read that, I thought, this is the most ass-headed take. <laughs> this is the most ass-headed abdic- Sorry, Ben. This is the most ass-headed abdication of one's role and responsibility as, as a critic that I have ever read and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. And then <laughs> and then I read that quote from Darren Aronofsky and I'm just like, your head is equally as far up your own ass. Yeah. And then, yeah. then he's talking about, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, the whole premise of this film is that, you know, the final chapter hasn't been written yet. Yes, it fucking has because you literally preface the beginning and the end as though this is this, <laughs> yeah. this is a that's a weird thing this, to this, say this when is, you end your movie this, that way. This is a fucking unending cycle. If Jennifer Lawrence had actually rebelled and let the Earth die and left Javier Bardem in darkness, then I would believe that something could actually be averted. But no, you don't show that it can be averted. You just say that the cycle will continue on and on. And the fact of why the cycle continues on and on is not. 
you you want it to be like, oh man, humans have to be better. No, it's not even about that. It's even more fucked up than that because it's not even the fact of humans are just shit and they're going to keep on doing this and they're going to keep on eating the baby and, and abusing mother. The reason why this is an ending cycle is not because of the inherent nature of humankind. It is because that the only person who is capable of learning from this experience, God, does not. And he chooses not to. He actively chooses not to and continues to project his own inadequacies, his own inability to learn onto that of his wife and keeps on reiterating on his wife to make her more docile, to make her more submissive, to make her more more complicit and complacent. Can I just say – And it's fucking bullshit. This means Aronofsky thinks God has a limp dick. (laughs) He's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. That doesn't – what the fuck? Darren Aronofsky prays to Fuck that this film. tiny picture of Javier Bardem at night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I say one random thing that we, we're not going to discuss <laughs> before we get back to real talk? Mm-hmm. Um, I, is that what this is? I really well, no, 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 but I'm saying... I really admired that. That was no, really like, that's what, real it's the, talk. It's the fucking truth. I'm saying what I'm going to say is not real talk. Okay. Uh, the last three months, I've been watching exploitation movies, sexploitation, uh, golden age adult pornography, mm-hmm. and it says a lot that the first time I've been uncomfortable with the way a woman is portrayed in a movie was in Mother when Jennifer Lawrence was walking around in a see-through white mm. only because this movie is not sexual in nature like if it was fine but she's not you right there pause it pause it <laughs> nothing sorry I'm not pausing anything sorry Okay, anyway, uh, because this movie is not <laughs> sexual in nature, um, I guess I was weirdly creeped out by the fact that we were basically treated to Jennifer Lawrence's body. So maybe I'm reading too much into it as a horny 25-year-old. I mean, that's but, that's her fucking house. She can wear whatever the fuck she wants. And, and to have that. Michelle Pfeiffer telling her to put some clothes on, like, bitch, get out of my house. I get that. I just I thought that was weird. You know, only I, because of the real world context of like it's her, I guess, boyfriend directing, and uh, I don't know. I just you know, I don't think he's her muse. I'm not saying people don't wear that. I'm if, saying the way it was filmed was kind of like, oh, look, I'm doing the shaky cam. Can like, I just in reality? I'm zooming in. Can I just say that if I if I was a woman. And I was dating a guy who wrote a screenplay and said, oh, man, you really inspired me. And he handed me the fucking script to Mother. I would take that as the biggest red flag to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, if that's what he thinks about, like, at, at a baseline of, 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 of the dynamic of... Man, of I, th- I think she really wanted to get this made, man. I gotta no, tell she you. did. Yeah, she but, was into I it. mean, yeah. adding on to that, when you're wearing rose-colored glasses, all red flags look like flags. That is true. I stole that. I just, yeah. I, I saw this as, like, Jennifer Lawrence saying, I'm Mother Earth, and Javier Bardem basically saying, well, Mother Earth's got a great ass! Because that's good. I just... That's good. Yeah. Thank you for the Al Pacino heat. You're welcome. That's like the seventh time we've had that. It's great. Hey, it will never get old. We need to do an old. episode on that, though. We will one day. It is just all of us talking like Al Pacino. That'd be great. Yeah. Continue. Anyways, uh, if I can continue on with my opening remarks. So, Darren Aronofsky, for me at least, personally, and seeing, I've seen four of his films, and I think two of them are good. Um, the two that are good. Hmm? I was going to say 50%. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a great percentage, but he's got two films that I think are really good. There you go. Um, they've both, although um, I think definitely Black Swan is definitely closer to 
uh, you know, the kind of film that Mother is than The Wrestler, which is pretty straightforward. Yeah, um, the Wrestler is an outlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that being said, uh, both are very much just character studies that end with very potential ambiguous suicide, which is uh, an interesting ending to a film. And I think it's one of the best parts of both of those films, actually. So we get here to this film, which um, unfortunately for me can never get out of its own way is that this film, I feel like had can never find its way out of its own ass. There's the reason why I can't say that I absolutely hated this film is I feel like, I went into this going out of my way to not read any reviews about it or read anything about the film as a whole. So, and and I saw it about a week after you guys did. So, mm-hmm. it was definitely a little bit of a struggle because there was plenty of there for you to see if you wanted. Um, That's how the content industrial complex works. Yeah. So, I saw the film. Um, I honestly did not pick up on most of the religious things about it until. Huh? You heathen. Thank you, Tucson. Until <laughs> later on in the film. Um, and then it wasn't until afterwards when I started reading reviews and that kind of thing, I was putting the whole puzzle together and not just the small pieces that I picked on, up on during the film. Uh, the reason why I can't totally hate this is because I think there is some absolutely excellent filmmaking happening here that... Out of context of the film, if I was just sitting and watching, I would say that was absolutely fascinating. For me as a film viewer. I will concede that. There are some really well-made shots. I agree as well. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. even just well-made shots. I think there's... Set pieces. Yeah, set pieces. I, uh, Nick, uh, we chatted uh, over text the other <laughs> night about one particular scene which you said was absolutely silly, which I thought was vintage Aronofsky, which... Um, May not mean anything good, but uh, the scene that involved the two brothers arriving at the house, I just absolutely loved in the theater. Mainly because we start with this very slow build, and then this escalates very quickly, um, and it turns into this just ridiculous um, farce, in a way, which... I'll, I'll grant you that it does get ridiculous, but I felt like it fit in with the context of the film up to that point. That in, scene, in a good way for yeah, me. That scene in particular, the problem as far as why I didn't really go for it was mm-hmm. because the minute the two entered the building, I just thought, oh shit, when is one going to kill the other? So because like it was just giving into its baser impulses, uh, I was not whatever. I will say I was more enthralled, or at least I'll give the film credit, by the black comedy of the uh, the funeral, so to speak. Yeah. Just everything in that dinner well, scene. Well, there, there, there are multiple things there that I was enjoying. And actually what I thought the film was absolutely going for was actually the horrible treatment of women, which we see throughout this film. Get the fuck off that sink. Do you want to catch these hands? No. I uh, told you it's not braced yet. The, That's my house. The the one the the one that broke the camel's back for me, which I thought was a fantastic moment in this film, is when she's talking to the guy who's yeah. trying to pick up on her. Yeah. He calls her a... And then he calls her the C word yeah. after she wouldn't deal with him. Bitch, and... this is my house. Yeah, that yeah. was like one of the only times when his allegory actually dropped and just made way for actual horrific... Like, if it was more visceral like that, not because I want, like... No, but to be... it, it actually made sense yeah. within the context of the film Like, that's that a point. scary thing that would actually happen in, in a flash. It's an allegory until it's not. other shit. But it... When things go off the rails in that particular scene, which you're referring to, and obviously in the main 
shit's going crazy scene towards the end of the film, which um, I will say I thought was fantastic for about four minutes. And then once it went on for about eight minutes longer, I got a little bored. Um, And I think that's to your point about him not really knowing how to build tension, even within a certain large cinematic scope scene, because I feel like after shit really hits the fan for that, I was on board. Like I thought it was fantastic. And the way we were going from room to room and seeing walls fall down and then the FBI show up and the guy gets his head blown off. But then it just keeps on going. And it just, it just lost my interest in a moment when I, when it was clearly for me, the high point of this, just from a visual perspective, the high point of the film, the climactic moment. Um, And then it's just, like, it's just the rest of the film was just there. You when know? all normality is sort of eschewed and then this new extremity becomes the new normality, yeah. then it just loses all shock. Yeah. Um, but I will say uh, this film commits what used to be a cardinal sin by killing a baby on screen, which back in the day, like... Well, to be fair, this baby pissed on strangers. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, it had it coming. I mean, the baby was born. It had it coming. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, back in the good old days, like that was like an unwritten rule in Hollywood that you don't kill kids, you don't nope. kill babies. You just diddle them. Great. I mean, even when um, Jesus what's Christ. his name? You are yeah, really he's in this just movie. hitting all these important yes. points here. When, I'm trying to be like mother. I'm throwing taboos. When <laughs> just throw them at the wall, seeing what sticks. Nothing sticks. In a few minutes, Nick is going to punch one of us in the face. It, like ten years ago, boy, we're going to trade hands. Like ten years ago, when Gavin O'Connor had Colin Farrell hold an iron over a baby's head in Pride and that Glory. That was awesome. So many people were like, ugh. That was like the only good scene in that movie. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. I'm just saying, that was the only time when that movie was like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> but I'm just saying, so many people were like, oh, that's a piece of filth. And oh, you have this film, which is just like, that oh, was that's a bad Edward movie. Norton. Uh, that was that was the end of Edward Norton's goatee phase. Oh. Uh, the horrible goatee phase on oh. that beautiful face. Oh. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have a goatee anymore, and he's putting on some really horrific performances. So Collateral beauty. So anyways, I, I have really mixed feelings about this film, because for the most part, I'm... That's funny. I have really mixed feelings about this film. <laughs> I'm pretty much agreeing with what Nick and Tucson are saying so far because I think that Aronofsky's up his own ass, which I don't think he necessarily hasn't been in the past. So I think this is a little bit par for the course because if you watch even like the first 30 minutes of The Fountain, you're like, oh boy, he's trying to show, he's trying to ask Terrence Malick to hold his beer here. (laughs) Like this is, this is no good. And then he drops it himself. (laughs) Hold my beer. Oh shit. And but you, you you watch this film and clearly especially after reading some of his comments about this film actually all of his comments for the most part he thinks that this is a masterpiece um, sure does. and I, yeah I should really stop jacking himself off and just make the film no and let you don't it have to shame and, masturbation and then and then move on to the next but thing I, because it's really fucking aggravating when he can't get out of his own way I'm 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 pretty torn on this film because. On one hand, I think this has a lot of what Aronofsky does well, but I think this film also highlights all of his faults as a filmmaker. And it, for the most part, I think story-wise, that ends up overtaking the the good parts of it. So yeah, it's 
it's a it's a tough one, and uh, the problem is though is I think this is exactly what Darren Aronofsky wanted to make, and the reaction he wanted. So there you go. And we finally made it to you only an hour later. So Yay! that's that's okay. I'm sorry that this is inadvertently a mirror of Mother itself, where it marginalizes female. There's voices. still an hour left. God <laughs> damn it, guys! It's okay. No big deal. I really like, of course, listening to you. Um, Thank you. Yes. But we want to listen to you. What do you think? <laughs> okay. What do you think, Anna? Okay, so here's what I think. So, um, like Toussaint, I was excited for this movie because the poster looked so great. And yeah. The, and the fact... It's a fucking great poster. It's a great poster, and I really, really like movie posters, so I was so excited. You know who else worked on on that same poster? What's up? James Jean worked on the poster for The Shape of Water. So cool. Yeah. That's definitely oh going to be a better film, by the way. Oh, it's going to be so that, much better. That, that second trailer came out. It can't. Yeah, they showed the second trailer during Mother. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it looked really good. Anyway. Yeah, look at this much better film. <laughs> anyway, continue. I, yes. I have I have never been as excited for a Guillermo del Toro film. Yeah, he's. Oh, he's I don't cool. I don't really like him. He's interesting. So. And Nick's, oh, I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, Nick's um, over here. I thought his last film was shit. As long so. as robots are Crimson in Peak, his... you didn't <gasps> like. That. I haven't seen it, oh, but isn't God, that like you know what? Crimson Peak is fantastic. No. You got to be uh, involved in the cinema of John Rowland, a French filmmaker, Jess Franco, a Mexican filmmaker like this. That's gothic horror filmmaking at its finest, which yeah. is not to say that it's scary, yeah. but that it's, it's evocative. You are in there anyway. I Anna, fucking hate you so much, Anna. <laughs> please continue. They don't know what they're talking about. Thank you. Um, I didn't say anything. Anything about that? You don't know what you're talking about, Tucson. <laughs> I didn't say anything about that. Anyone see? So, um, like Tucson, I was super excited for the poster because I think that it's just stylized really cool, and also the trailer was really intriguing too. So I was like, man, this is going to be so good. It's the guy that made Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream, which are the two other Aronofsky films that I've seen. I haven't. I think I saw the fountain, but I don't quite remember it. So I'm just going to say I have. That's yeah, everyone's that, reaction. That, that's that's everybody's experience. The fountain, so. I, I, There's a monkey. I saw, <laughs> I saw it, but I think you know really I can't remember monkey. it. Yeah. So I think I was sleeping during it, so I can't remember if the movie was happening or I was dreaming something. Pretty and much. I've also heard like you know various other things, like Pi is supposed to be great. The West, the wrestler is supposed to be good. Anyway, I really liked Black Swan, and I really liked. Requiem for a Dream. So going into this, I was like, I am looking forward to just whatever is going to happen. And then I go to see it on uh, at a Sunday morning showing. So granted, there were only like five other yes. people in the theater. She, she went to the church on Sunday morning <laughs> to see yeah. what God had to giveth that day. Uh, you were probably with like the worst people ever. Like they were, they're automatically going to hell. You included. They, probably. they were all like everybody else in the theater was just all older people, and I think they just. I feel like they probably were just in the wrong. They thought they were getting something else. Yeah, so that or like, they like lost God due to all <laughs> or something. They, they didn't know what they what they were getting into, so they just sort of like came in. It was like, oh, it's going to be like a horror, or a thriller, or a ghost movie. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's either going to be this or Ninjago. What are we doing? Because yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> baby, now we got bad blood. By the way, I've heard that's horrible. So it's well, it's got Taylor Swift in the trailer. So mm, awesome. <laughs> Can't be that bad. So um, I pretty much agree with most of what Alex said. Is that this movie is just not good. Like, that's the thing. Like, walking out of it, I was like, that wasn't good. But at the same time, I didn't think I wasted my time. Like, basically, I just was... 
indifferent after I came out of this movie, which is not a good thing, but I did I just didn't think it was good. Can so, you like, see yourself watching it again? No. Yeah, that's the thing. And like like Alex, I have no frame of reference for religious allegories, so I am also a heathen, I apologize. And um I just like I didn't you know, at the end I didn't I I guess I picked up on the whole Mother Earth thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, but there were certain things like Cain and Abel I didn't get, oh, Adam yeah. and Eve I didn't get. Well, so like, what's the whole point of uh, why does Mother Earth have to drink piss? Anyway, uh, I there, there's a lot of heavy-handed symbolism in that, but I want to talk about one particular well, note of symbolism. Hold on. Okay. Can we, can we let Anna Sorry. Sure. It's, okay. it's okay. Sorry. And I do... Hold my hand. No. <laughs> I do really appreciate the filmmaking in the movie. I really like the camera following um, a person up close. I think that's very cool. And he kind of took that technique from Black Swan because that happened in Black Swan a lot. It happened a lot less in Black Swan, but it did happen. So mm. I was like, that that was something I did enjoy. Mm. And there were so many things visually and stylistically that I liked. And then when it came to the acting and the script and basically everything else that made up the crux of this movie, it was like, this is good. I've got to say really quickly, two things. One, just to start off, I thought the sound editing here was actually really good. It was good. It was, was yes, that one too. Because seeing this film in, in the theater and actually hearing these small details as people walk across rooms and go to upper levels and whatever, it yes. was actually very well done. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part I was going to go on to that is I've repeatedly uh, read that a lot of people have been praising Jennifer Lawrence's performance. And I actually thought this was one of her worst performances. I totally agree with you. I thought I, she was I really bad I don't know if I'd put it, it on that end of the spectrum, I mean, but it definitely did nothing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, very, it's very wooden. And it feels very wooden compared to like everybody else's. This is below all four Hunger Games movies for me. Yeah, I agree because at least I, there I thought she was putting on a performance yeah. and not just like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna paint your house, act mad. Yeah. That's the thing. Like she's just hitting all of these parts. That doesn't mean she's a good actress. That doesn't mean she's giving out a good performance. And, and then Javier Bardem, he's being very fiery and very passionate, which he's very good at. But it's, Javier it's... Bardem has two speeds. Being really great in a movie and being fucking awful. Yeah, there's so, no so, so in between. So either, he's this? either a Bond villain Terrible. or he's oh, fucking okay. a car. Yeah, he's either a Bond villain. He or... wasn't fucking the car. No, she was. He was just checking his fucking email. No, he was, okay. Let me just tell you something. My <laughs> I've always went to go theory, back and like. My counselor theory cap. is that Cameron Diaz wasn't actually fucking the car. Oh, I hate you. I don't think she was actually fucking the car. You. It was no. actually Javier Bardem's character. But if you've got like but he Javier, couldn't admit it to himself. Javier Bardem in uh, in the Bond film Skyfall, yeah. also in the film he won an Academy Award for, No, no Country for Old Men. Even yeah. his small role that was awesome in the film Collateral. I agree. I think he's actually a fantastic actor. No, he's he is. Sometimes he's, he's horribly miscast. Been in so many shit movies where he's given actually pretty shit performances. Yeah. Hotel for Dogs. What the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Anna, please continue. Um, Just really quick, a word to our listeners. If you're trying to Google that, he was not in Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> he was in Hotel for Dogs, too, though. He was in the uh, the film, To the Wonder. He was in Be- was he? Beautiful. Shit. Yeah, he Beautiful plays- spelled yeah, he with an I. Be- yeah. yeah. He was in Babel. Oh. Babel, I thought, was good. Anyway, <laughs> so back to what I think about this movie. <laughs> sorry. <Yes. laughs> sorry, Anna. No, no, don't be sorry. Um, Javier Bardem should be sorry. <laughs> 
He should. should be. He should. Um, yeah, overall, I just didn't think this movie was good. And, like, it, there's very, very few times where I see a movie, especially in the theater, and I'm just, like, so disappointed over the fact that I thought something wasn't good and the fact that I was so underwhelmed by it. And I know this was the point, but most of the movie I just, like, was grimacing and I was just so uncomfortable at the things that are happening because it's, it's just such a simple – it's such a simple thing – for um to be discomforted by people like milling around your home and touching stuff and like doing all of those uncomfortable like rude things and then it of course escalates and stuff but taking your shit exactly we were here yeah taking your stuff and you know just eating the dinner that you spent hours making and stuff um but it just it didn't do it for me and the fact that it didn't like it turned out to be such a disappointment itself is pretty disappointing because overall (laughs) i like the things that aronofsky has made and then you know you find out that he just kind of sucks and you're like well i mean this is what you get like he's an artist it's like when you like start Mm -hmm. dating somebody and then like all the warning signs were there but then you're like oh shit i should have really caught on to this like you're just kind of up your own ass yeah Um, i will say that when it comes to Sure. I'm no. good. Thank uh, you. Any, anything in there. Listeners, he is politely asking if we want to. Oh, I was going to cut it up and I got to leave it. Very politely. I got to leave it now. Aww. Okay. Keep going. All right. What was I going to say? Uh, Aronofsky. Asshole. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to cut that part out. I was just trying to be helpful. It's okay. I'm not cutting it out. Okay. No, now he's not cutting it no, out. I'm it now. Oh, okay. If you speak, <laughs> it's important. But no, when you guys speak, it's important, too. No. no. Usually when no, like, don't somebody, like, or when we order a pizza and, like, the doorbell goes, like, I'll cut that out. Oh. But no, this is too good. This is great. It is. Okay. This is radio, man. This is, like, what people are listening to. So you are saying, Nick? Nick, you were saying. Oh, yeah. What movie are we talking about? Um, <laughs> um, Hotel for Dogs 2. All Dogs Go to Heaven. No, we weren't Cats talking don't about dance. that. Burt Reynolds did uh, not come up in this conversation. A goofy, a goofy movie. An extremely goofy movie. <sighs> I'm not a big fan of Extremely. I what? like a goofy movie, but... Oh, Extremely's the best one! Wait, am I thinking of the right one? No, ex- the goofy movie is the one where they go on the road trip. Yes, Extremely yeah. goofy movie is the one where the he BMX goes to games. college. Yes, yeah. college No, I'm BMX thinking games. of a goofy movie. I okay. like a goofy movie. I yeah. don't like... Yeah. I don't. Maybe I haven't really seen. Oh, yeah. uh, extremely goofy. Movie. Extremely goofy movie was a direct to video, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah, but you I remember what? seeing it on TV. Like they showed it on the Disney Channel a lot. Yeah. When it comes to artistic merit, an extremely goofy Mary <laughs> certainly has a mother beat. I, I just got to say that. Yeah. Totally. A goofy movie is a mirror, not a lesson. That's right. Okay. <laughs> what I will say about Mother is that, and I, I'm going to echo what you're saying, Anna, which is that. It's weird to be disappointed by a movie like Mother because, like, for someone like me, like, I don't really like superhero movies. So when I see, like, the latest Marvel movie and I find it, quote-unquote, underwhelming, I'm just like, eh, it's whatever. It's underwhelming. Like, but it says a lot that I've given just about every Marvel movie ever made a better rating than Mother because none of those movies are screaming at me to tell me how important they are and how what they're doing is so, shall we say, uh, enlightening, so to speak. And I think that's what's uncomfortable about a movie like Mother's. Not because it's so bad, but it's because in the light of what it is making sure you know what it's doing, 
it just doesn't live up to even that. And so when, you know, it's like watching a, uh, let's use a little sports metaphor here, but it's like watching a baseball player point to the the outfield and not getting a home run. It's just really awkward. You really (laughs) nailed that metaphor. (laughs) He punts it. You, you see, what? They, they, there's like yeah. a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Babe Ruth. It's a, it's a famous old thing. That... Oh, so only Babe did it? No, no. Hold on. Back up here. Okay. I, I'm, I'll giving you, I'm giving you a little context. You, you just tell me really quick un- before un- you no, do. No. Am I like wrong? No. Okay. I no. just wanted to okay. know that. Okay. So, you baseballs you... with the hockey puck, right? God damn it. So you, you've gone here. So this is this is your own fault. So okay, <laughs> the Babe you. Ruth thing actually happened at Wrigley Field. And oh, it was he, an incident. He made. Oh, you, I mean, that's how it came about. I just thought it was a thing. Like what? people just did this when they're like calling their shot. Yeah, like they're that's like, what I'm, it is. Okay, yes. but is, I didn't know there was like an inciting incident. How could there not be? There is an inciting. I just thought like all everything. the baseball players got together and was like, "Hey guys, we're all going to start doing this." Oh, for God's sake! Whenever we <laughs> think we're going to get it, it was when Michael Jackson was. Really it was like on a cabal fire. of yes. baseball players. Anyways, no, this is an actual incident. Also, it's can a... you believe how many black people are in this league? Like, way to go, Jackie! Oh shit! It's actually a thing about how little black people are in the league, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, well, I'm not up to date on my sports. Thank you. I've, I've noticed. So we're as anyways, o- we're as all over the place no. in this episode as, as mother is be. in the film. So, so anyways, so this just, is super just, appropriate. Yeah. Just got to finish this off. Really, I want to hear it. Okay, this podcast so, is the so earth. that fuck you, Tucson. So that actually happened. Although okay. it is up my for debate. You guys keep talking over me. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> This really is mother. Yes, this is the film where please don't set us on fire. Yes, oh. I won't do that. Don't worry. Right. Where there's debate if whether Tucson's he actually telling you would... what underwear to wear. I will punch him. Don't worry. Wow. What the fuck. Shit. That happened to mother, and I didn't want to make the joke about me, so I made it about you. <laughs> Damn it! You want to do that anyway? Babe Ruth with that. So Ridley. we're talking about meaning. What does Michelle <laughs> we're talking about meaning? What is Michelle Pfeiffer's lacy lime green panties? I'm glad what does asked. it resemble? Um, because well, she actually, discards that shit, so it's got to be something bad. I'm, I'm glad you uh, asked. Oh, because the green underwear matched the green bra she was wearing in one other shot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, so, so that was a matching set. So I would say that means, like, I don't know, she's supposed to rese- represent Eve and Adam and Eve, the, the tree from where the apple fell. It would make more sense if it was red. Uh, here's what I'll say. Um, green, after, green, after this green movie... Green fitted the green tones in the house, though. Okay. Yeah. After this there movie, are green apples, too. And after that scene, I did a lot of research. For all on, we know, it could have been a Granny Smith. On lingerie. <laughs> I, I went through a lot of pictures. Uh, I just, you know, I wanted to get to the bottom of this symbolism. And I came up with nothing, <laughs> but I do have a new great folder on my computer. Thank you. That's great. Um, really quickly, finishing the Babe Ruth thing. Yeah, I want okay. to know. So, so he pointed the to center field, so says the video. Okay. But he may have just been pointing at the pitcher because the pitcher was angry at him. But, of course, people in the was crowd, it? and this is this is back like 100 years ago, so all of these people are, you know, for the most part, dumb. Yeah, so, true. <clears throat> and most things just caught word of mouth at that point or a newspaper article. So it turns into a legend of... Babe Ruth pointing, and then the next pitch, he hits a home run. God damn it. So he called To think we named a candy bar after him. Yeah. No. <laughs> Baby Ruth. Uh, there you go. fucking crazy. Although, so, I will say this. People have tried it uh, since have then. They? Yes. Why would you ever shot. do that? No, uh, it's been a failure every single every time. time. <laughs> so, there you oh, go. Oh, boy. Tucson. Anyways, I just had to get that out. 
please continue. Thank you. Anna, yes. did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to... Um, aside from all of the details that we're going to get into later overall, I just didn't think that this movie was good. And I'm disappointed by the fact that I was disappointed She's by a big it, J-Law so. fan, too, so this was... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a big thing before going on to this episode is when Alex was like, do you want to... Like, do you want to be on any episodes? And I was like, I would like to see Mother because I hate Jennifer Lawrence. And Alex was like, Well, then you should have loved this movie because so did this movie. (laughs) And I was like, No, seriously, I hate her, but I'll, I mean, I'll go see it. And I think, okay, sidebar, I think she got like, I think she had. (laughs) Good one, Alex. Uh, Nick, shit, I'm sorry. Nick, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Wow. If I didn't have free beer from you, I would be upset. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Continue. Continue, Anna. We look um, alike. He's a little shorter. I don't know which one to shoot. (laughs) This, Alex. (laughs) Was that a reference from the island? Yeah. Yes. Really? Very good. What the hell? We just watched that. I know, but he wasn't there, so I was surprised (laughs) that he would reference it after like a week after. Anyway, please continue. So, I think... Jennifer Lawrence got some media training prior to promoting this film. Because no, she really did fall over her dress at the Oscars. <sighs> okay. That was authentic. Cont- that was continue. so authentic. Yeah. I think she got some media training because I saw in interviews that she seems to be like a lot more like composed and like, you know. She doesn't talk about food a lot. Anymore. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I only saw like I think one or two interviews, and they weren't like talk show interviews. They were just like regular like promotional Did we say interviews. Media training where they like stern arguments with Darren. Was it like mm. let's not go to bed mad? So I'm going to tell you how you're going to talk about this movie after after we go to bed for a little just bit. Saying. Oh my god. Anyway, sorry. But anyway, I think like. The, the trope behind her is that, like, the reason that I don't like her is that I think she's a tryhard and I think that she sucks. And I think they're kind of toning, maybe, like, she got word to, like, tone down on the tryharding. Mm. So, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, just something I noticed. I don't know if it has anything to she's do. She's just such a real person. She has too much. She either tries hard or not at all. She talks about pizza. Like, come on. Yeah. It's so adorable. She trips over her dress. She talks about Aww. pizza. She's just so real. She made that shit movie with Chris Pratt. It's all fine. Passengers. Yes. I've yet to see it. I just wanted to say the name of it. That was a Um, bomb. It was. Yes. So. Yeah. What's up? I want to talk about symbolism in this film. All right. Cool. We're we're circling back here. Because there's a lot of fucking symbolism. We're talking about passengers. There's a lot of symbolism in this film. Um, Like Sheen. And. It's a robot. At at what point is. The question is like how much heavy handed symbolism is is too much and really it's, your your mileage may vary upon the kind of viewer that you are. I want to talk about some of my favorite symbols. Um there's the No, go ahead. I'm just like I'm hold I'm trying to remember no. what I want to talk about. Oh yeah, the, there's there's ahead. there's the uh the stain that won't go away that's either like both Macbeth and Original Sin. It's probably both of those and it turns into like some weird like molten vagina Wounds that eventually yeah, like ex- that was the explode. weirdest that becomes a tourist knockoff. attraction and we don't know why. Uh, I don't know, uh, but then and you know what? She literally tries to sweep the rug under. Okay, so it, I want <laughs> so here's here's my sweep favorite reference. Here's my favorite reference, and it, it pretty much encapsulates like my entire like fuck you, Darren Aronofsky like attitude about this film, and it all situates around Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Okay. Ooh. 
So, oh yeah. So, okay. so no, no, no. Yeah, wait, she wait, 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 yeah. So she she's basically the 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 book publisher and stuff, right? She's basically that. Well, like when you look at her name in the actual credits, it's the Herald. And so basically, <sighs> she is supposed to be an analog for. A uh, 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 not a messiah, but more of like a like a Moses esque character, right? No, let me finish. Let me finish. I so, so when when he's signing stuff, she's like, "Oh man, it's like you're the inspiration." And I was like, oh, "Is it hot in here?" It's like it's kind of hot in here, isn't it? And I was like, "Okay, that's them talking about carbon emissions and other shit like that, and like overpopulation within the house, which is the planet, and other shit like that, right?" Uh-huh. Okay, so then when shit pops off, when shit pops off, remember the whole Moses. Thing, okay, you see the one scene of her like walking down a row of, 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 of prisoners and taking two double pistols and just executing them. It's for art. That's her parting the Red Sea. Yeah. Oh, that is literally snap. her parting the Red Sea. And I thought that was the most heavy handed, stupid bullshit ever. It's for art. <laughs> wow. Oh, fuck this film. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I. That, that Her line, character though. was so good. Yeah. She parted the Red Sea. Do you get it? Yeah. I I don't think I do get it. Wait, what? Her, now that it's explained to me, I like it a lot more. Yeah. yeah. So her saying it's for art made me like giggle because this film is <laughs> at one point trying to poke fun at that, but at the other point embracing that, which is a really weird place to be. <laughs> yeah, that's like trying to have your cake and also trying not to shit it out of your pants. Yes. Speaking of symbolism. Thank you. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Um, does anybody have anything else before no. okay so speaking of symbolism there were just some things that i didn't quite understand and i'm wondering if you guys had the same questions as me or if you understood them and i didn't so i don't know what was in the toilet that was flushed that's a heart so that was a heart and we know this because in the early part of the movie well a so when you add the ending of the movie where you see that that's something that he does. Yes. Mother, right? Yes. So early in the movie when Ed Harris is smoking and whatnot and Jennifer Lawrence, or mother, accidentally walks in on him puking, Javier Bardem's character quickly basically covers, covers up yes, that the, was gonna be my next the thing. open wound, which I believe is clearly that he has taken his heart from him. No. No, that, that's not what the wound is. Okay, the, the wound is the rib taken from Adam in order to create. Oh, that actually, that makes. Oh, okay. yeah. At first, I'm, right. but I, I'm, but I'm with you. At first, I thought that was supposed to be some misdirected misfire of like so the, what's the, the wound, toilet, the then? wound that that because the toilet is a heart. Man, I don't fucking know. Is that just the just last I, heart? I think, I think he coughed up his like, heart. I think he coughed like up. No, like, is that like when you take a shit in your household, but you're not, like, you're too lazy to plunge it down, so you just kind of leave it there, and then by the time the next person sees it, you're like, ah, shit, I forgot to do something about that. So then you get I mean, to plunge do it any, back. do any of the guests in this house actually care about this house or no. the people who occupy no. it? Like, the old man who was doddering who came in after um, Jennifer Lawrence uh, shooed the other two people out of, out of the bedroom. I was like, I'm just exploring. Oh. I'm just exploring. No. The fuck are you? The absolute best line of this entire film actually happens early on it involves ed harris uh because he walks back in after pretty much inviting himself to stay and then being somewhat gracious and saying oh thank you very much for having me i'm just trying to go out and kill other people in westworld it's fine so he comes back 
He comes back. I just stumbled upon this house. Yes. It's a new storyline. Yes. Seriously. Oh, my God. If this was a storyline at Westworld, <laughs> that, would, mm. that would be even worse. Yes. This could be a whole season of Russ World. There you go. Okay, so might be better than the first. Oh fuck you, <laughs> so, girl. Anywho, we see Ed Harris walk back, and first of all, the act of him just the the visual act of him lighting up a cigarette without asking permission in someone's house. We don't smoke here. No, that is the best line of the movie because she says we don't smoke her, and his response is just. That's good. You shouldn't smoke. It's bad for you. And it's like, what a piece of shit. I know. That like, was so I, rude. I mean, in the house. And then he flicks yes. it outside. Yes. Where all the fucking wheat is. No. Yes. And, and, and obviously, because we've got the beginning of the film, which obviously shows the, the burning house and the rebuilding of it. It just, the whole, that, that whole part of it I thought was fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Ed Harris was really good in this, too, I, by the I way. actually think he was my favorite part of this entire yeah. movie. Well, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer and also Kristen Wiig kind of made it for me. So. I just do that. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, too, playing... Can I ask... Okay, were you going somewhere and then I interrupted well, you? I had just continue. one more... I okay. just had one more one more thing. Do it. So Do my it. guess is that the yellow powder that was that Mother was drinking... That was like Lipton iced tea, right? That was exactly old-timey Lipton iced tea. Um, my guess is that it was for fertility purposes because she gets rid of it after she gets pregnant. That's true. So I that's mean, my guess, but I want to know what you guys think. No, I mean, I think that's true. I don't know that when I see that, or not when I see it, but when I imagine that recurring motif of her drinking that whatever, that I look at that and I think, wow, that's something I want to explore. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because it is so threadbare and so... It is, and they yeah. make it a point So I think you're right it. in the sense that it definitely has to do with fertility. And also... The- I think Darren Aronofsky doesn't know how sex works. <laughs> <laughs> and also the details in the glass when I mean, the, when the they pow- had sex and then she was pregnant immediately after. <laughs> now, yeah, not and she knew right she away. Knows. Yeah, I'm pregnant. Like no, really. Like your little zygote's kicking, buddy. Yeah. How could you know? Just all just. And then he takes it too, and he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna be naked and go right." Yes. So, yeah. um. Yes. So visually, like when we see the powder disperse in the glass, it has the same kind of sparky, sparkly red pattern as the crystal mm-hmm. that is placed in the um, in the little stand. Yeah. So my guess is that it is for fertility, but it makes me wonder that because you know that previous crystal, that crystal is from the previous mother, if that has anything to do with that. But I mean, so can I ask a question to you? Sure. And to everybody. Yes. Okay. So we get the whole vibe that the crystal itself when we don't really know what it is at first uh, is uh, the forbidden fruit so to speak and mm-hmm. no one's supposed to go in there especially no one's supposed to touch it and of course Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer do exactly what you think they're going to do which is they go in the room and they drop it almost immediately like which was comical but I don't think <laughs> in an in intentional way like like really you couldn't have even like built up tension as- I mean uh, in, in, did you say in an in a tensional way or no, in I'm an saying, intentional like, way I laughed Despite its whatever is, oh, intentions. I thought it was intentional. I'm not saying it wasn't. Okay. I'm saying I laughed because I thought that was silly, not because I thought it was funny. Like I think that's this two fucking different, guy. I love this guy. Two different things, right? Two like, amazing. I'm not laughing because I think it earned its humor. I'm laughing because I thought, wow, that was really your attempt at you know comedy, so to speak. So anyway, do we think that breaking that 
Crystal in any way started the chain of events? Like, is that Probably. tied? Or is it you just know, an emotional th- thing? I was thinking about that, Probably. and my, I'm pretty sure it had to, but at the same time, did the previous mother's crystal break too? Right, like, is this a cycle to the point well, where even... Or does the, f- the crystal break in order for the cycle to start again? No, I think the, so, crystal, the crystal breaks when... Okay. When, okay, okay, when things, I actually have a good interpretation. You know how... Thing, well, I mean, okay, let's, let's circle yeah. back just... Circle back? Mm-hmm. Let's circle back just a little bit. Okay. Because the original title of this film, uh, I believe, was called The Sixth Day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was supposed to take place on the sixth day of creation. Uh, uh-huh. So, so this is right before I'm fucking done with the breakthrough, this. right before the breakthrough, and he can rest finally. So, I mean, yes, I assume, yes, I assume that this has happened before the exact same way each time, and he has right. yet to perfect his art. I guess that makes sense. The whole idea that he, at the beginning of this creation, so to speak, he gets excited by humans' yes. propensity uh, for sporadicness and whatnot, mm-hmm. and ultimately is always disappointed when they don't follow his fucking rules because he's a patriarchic scumbag. Is it really his rules, though? Yeah. Because he just gets mad, but he never really like lays down like the actual expectations and boundaries. Like, no, he it's, says. it's mother. It's mother who tells him to stay the fuck out of the out of the study and not touch the thing. It's not. Yeah, but Upper he Upper does, No, he says it. Yeah, no, but he's he when they're in there, he the says, rule. "Oh, oh," and he takes and he's yeah. like, "You don't need to touch that. Yeah. This is a very this sentimental very thing." To me, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying mother doesn't right, okay. right. force it, but I'm sorry. Continue nope. if you have anything. I else. literally am not. I have else. one thing that was uh, <laughs> one of the few things I definitely want to mention. Okay. so I want to get to it. Okay, so I can't decide if this part at the end is actually really good or really stupid. It probably it's is really the stupid. Okay. Let's go. No, okay. What is it? Let's go. So <laughs> I I like the idea of it because it reminds me a little bit of the, the scene, and I'm looking at the poster right now, so that's why it's really reminding me of it. But the awesome scene, no. At the end of A Most Violent Year, that uh, uh, I don't want to spoil it because we have done an episode on it, haven't we? Nope. But, no. Okay. But a lot of people probably haven't <laughs> Good seen try. it. But God damn it, Tucson. Um, <laughs> just pointing at every fucking poster in here. So, yes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Thanks, buddy. So, but a lot of scenes where things circle back to uh, sayings or meaning that happens earlier in the mm-hmm. film. And yeah. then you have this awesome, like, ah, oh, shit, moment at the end. So, the poem that uh, Javier Bardem recites. Which during... is what she says. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, no, it's what the whatever whoever says that uh, is it a guy or a woman at the end after the baby dies? Well, I thought the the thing that he writes is what mm-hmm. her Jennifer Lawrence voiceover is at the beginning. No, uh, what 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 gets recited at the that. what gets recited at the end? I don't give a shit. Yes, I know. Thank you. Uh, most people yeah. don't. No. Okay, so. Javier Bardem uh, gives his kind of on-the-spot poem during the weird funeral of Ed Harris's son. Oh, I'm thinking of a different movie, by the way. <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about his eulogy. No, no, yeah. no. I, yeah. I'm genuinely thinking of... Anyway, and, I know what you're talking about okay. now. <laughs> Anyways, so he gives that, and it's, you know, it's yeah, it yeah. seems well-written. It the makes whole, sense. Like, you're crying. That's because life was right, lived. Right, and yeah. we have the whole... I, issue with Michelle Pfeiffer kind of staring down Jennifer Lawrence. And so anyways, after all shit goes bad at the end, this gets pretty much reread to her and it's in her perspective. 
which at the moment when I saw the film, I was coming right off of the urinating baby being decapitated and eaten. So I was like, ah, I can't tell if this is great or if this is fucking stupid. It's probably bull. I was going to say, because I think the the use of that in that exact moment is actually fantastic, but I don't know if I care. So. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. It's yeah. like, for me, why... <laughs> Why try? Why try to get into whether because at the end of the day I know I'm not getting a reaction in which no, I want but to. I think I think it was well used at that moment. I guess so. uh, and I, I think if somebody's really into the film, they would have loved it. Just like the ending scene that I'm referring to in Most Violent Year, where shit hits the fan and you're like, yeah. oh shit, oh because oh yeah I. I, so. It's gonna sound like I'm going into final ratings. Should we do that? Or? I mean, I think we're we're approaching that. But does anybody else have okay, any yeah. thoughts on what I was mentioning, or kind of not really? I didn't really clue into that. Okay. I uh, just for full disclosure, I went to go see this film again last night with some friends. Really? Who, oh shit! Who, wow, who, double viewing. I literally told Alex I would not go see it with him because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of rare for me, isn't I, it? Like yeah. I don't see a Marvel movie again, even yeah. though I don't like those. Anyway. Yeah, I I went to go see this <laughs> primarily because I did not pick up on the religious allegory stuff for the first time viewing, and I and I thought it would be interesting to to see. What what would my read be on this film? I didn't expect it to be any more positive, but just like what are the things that I could pick up on now that I know what this film is about and where this film is going? And uh, I didn't pick up on that at all. And I don't think that I'm willing to give it another watch through in the theater. No, I mean it just literally but, gets read back at the end. It is interesting. I like I didn't notice that before. Like, okay. Yeah. It, maybe in a couple of years, if I'm ever willing to like return to this It's on like, Netflix, just watch the end. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It's gonna be taken off in a month, so you're like, ah, oh, maybe I should yeah. watch it. No, I, yeah. I thought it was it was a really well put in, but I, I again I was just like, right. I, I feel I, like I wanted to leave moments, the theater at that point. So I feel I like, like there like, are yeah. moments like that what you're describing, and mm-hmm. I agree that that could be interesting in the right light mm-hmm. where. Those kind of things, I kept thinking too little, too late. Like, sure, I was in the I was in the middle of things that I wasn't caring for, and I'm like, I don't know that I could let this stand above the crowd because it's still part of this it whole. Could, I mean, it could very well be, and and I know you liked it, so there's nothing against that at all. But it could be very well like. Uh, towards the end of Neon Demon, where I was literally any, about to talk about the Neon Demon any, when I was going to go into like my final rating. Any, anything could happen, and if it was good, it yeah. wouldn't matter because I've say, already hopped off the train. I was going to basically say uh, anybody who doesn't like the Neon Demon, like I get it. Like <laughs> I think it's a fantastic film because I think it's knowingly self-aware and cheeky about. It's subject matter, whereas I don't think Mother is quite cheeky about it. I think it might be black comedy, but not like, ha, ha, ha. But, uh, yeah, but it's a very similar film where it is so singular from start to finish that everything adds up to its whole. So if you're not buying into the product it's selling, you're not going to find that any of its individual features are worth exploring. Well, the Neon Demon follows a very... It's amazing. Thanks, Nick. Follows very similar path to this film, actually, where yeah. it just kind of doubles down on all of its. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but your girlfriend set you out for tampons. <laughs> no, but it, it it doubles down on it trying to outdo 
its earlier scenes where it's like, oh, here's the scene where she's trying to have sex with a corpse. I will say this. At least the Neon Demon, and you can hate it, which a lot of people do. I don't think the Neon Demon's last 30 minutes are exactly as uh, similar. Like, Mother's third act is, look, this room got crazier. Look, this room... It goes from, like I said to Tucson, it goes from Call of Duty to Fallout in a, in a matter of... Oh my of, god, it does. It, oh, that's a, matter, a really great way to describe it. In a matter it. of seconds. Yeah. yeah. And like that in and of itself is just silly. Uh, technically, the Neon Demon was always a corpse fucking movie. It just didn't yeah. show you the corpse fucking yeah. until the end. That's true. Yeah, there were other things <laughs> at the end that, that go a little bit. Well, yeah, there was some peeing on the floor. But, there was you some know, eyeball shit. throwing up. And that's fine. That was cute. Was it pee or was it... No, there was pee. Okay, there was also cool. a tiger in Keanu Reeves' room. What the fuck? That was cute. Yeah. You want to go into final ratings? I want to so... go. I wouldn't... Okay. Oh, yes. oh, Anna. Anna. Anything. Anna. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, it's what okay. What the hell is your problem? I was going to say. So speaking of the scenes where it really gets to shit hitting the fan, yeah. Um, my boyfriend brought up a really good point after we were both just scratching our heads about this movie and he was like well the army wouldn't lose so the SWAT team shows up and then they immediately disappear because of the result of these things happening so fast so it was just it was such an odd moment because you have to think to yourself does the army really exist (laughs) is is Darren Aronofsky just trying to get me to think is the army even real? Yeah. Jesus okay. is the reason for the season, okay? <sighs> okay. First that's of all, just, wars just... <laughs> are just a made-up thing by our capitalist media wanting you to put your hard-earned money on the counter. For, I'm just <laughs> for America. No, keep, keep going. It's no more dumbass than anything else I've read on the internet today. It, it, Thank it, you. It was just moments like that that made me like really just not really get on board with this. Vietnam, you might as well call it Narnia. So who you know what in America? Here? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't fucking care. They, they couldn't point to do, it on a do map. Do you want to give your final rating? Sure, I'll give my final, yeah. final you're, rating. You're already going. All right. Okay, so um, I'm going to give this a solid, a really strong one out of five. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the reason it's not getting a full zero. Whoa, is, a yep. zero is because of um, the visuals that I oops, the visuals that I was uh, treated to. Um, I really enjoyed the setting. Like, I like how it was very remote, and I feel like, I mean, I don't know why you would. You could easily write this into, like, a stage play if you really wanted to. And I really like movies that kind of take that really minimalist approach where this is pretty much what we're given. It just talking about the setting. Um, and like I said before, I like the whole camera following around thing, but I mean, the acting wasn't good. Like I pretty much all of us are saying like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence didn't do a good job. Do you guys think Javier Bardem did a good job? Cause I didn't think he did so bad, but I also didn't think he was great. I mean, given the roles that so, they're, they're meant to play, himself. they are just, it, it's not even a matter of, of, good and bad for me it's really more of just like playing to the type of these sort of like existential archetypes that he, right. are, are sort of ineffable in their yeah. own way when it comes to god i mean it's it's you know ozzy osbourne and little nicky it's morgan <laughs> freeman and bruce almighty what? and then it's 
And then it's uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. Okay, that is like, a really good... Those are like good... the holy trinity... <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't even mean to do that. Oh my God. Uh, of ha- God performances. Javier Bardem seems to be drawn to these roles. Yeah. I wonder yeah. Why. I don't know how to choose them, but yeah. yeah. So... I... I think it's on purpose, and I, I don't think that's a good thing for him. No. Ugh. So but anyway, yeah. so it just overall this movie just wasn't good, and 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 the more I learned about the allegories that these characters are supposed to represent, and that what the house is supposed to represent, and then you know digging more into the crystal, and then you know the the burning, and this is just a, a continuing cycle. This movie just didn't do it for me so i'm just i the more i read about this movie is it's just honestly i'm just trying to understand it and i don't appreciate that the filmmaker himself is just you know trying to just insult his audience because we just don't get it for those of us who don't like it so yeah yeah, it's just a it's a one from me so i'm gonna go last okay i'll go go next we'll just we'll there we go we'll go back in reverse yeah we'll snake this shit we got this um Again, as as I was hitting on in my initial comments, I'm I'm torn on this movie. Like I, I feel like there was so many good Aronofsky things here. They pretty much run up against all of the bad Aronofsky things. And I, I think he one hundred percent succeeded in making the film he wanted to make, which I appreciate that for a filmmaker who we live in an age where film some filmmakers struggled with making the films they actually want to make. And I think that's never in the last at least 12 years been a problem for him. Um, because I think he is definitely someone who's worth seeing their films. I'll probably go see the next Darren Aronofsky film that comes out. I don't think this will keep me from, from going back to the theater. Um, but at the same time, I think there's just too many problems here and too much of him putting himself and his script into this film and saying, isn't this fucking great? Look at how great this is. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And it's just it – just, there are moments that just make it just, ugh, just unwatchable. At the same time, there's – wonderful filmmaking here there's wonderful scenes there's wonderful uh actions uh scene blocking which Toussaint hit on a little bit earlier the sound in here is fucking fantastic and i think visually this film just looks really good throughout um and i also personally think that there are not enough films and not enough people talking about the reality of the world being overcrowded and actually what that would feel like, which I think this film actually does pretty well in that climactic scene. And again, I don't think that many films or people have even really spent a lot of time hitting on how horrible the world could become if that actually happens at some point, which is probably going to be sooner than later. Um, So that being said, there was plenty here that I thought was actually really good, but so much that I thought was bad that it just... It's such a conflicted film for me that I can't completely get on board with. So I'm going to give it a really just vanilla rating of two and a half out of five because I think it's a film that deserves to be seen. And definitely there are a lot of people who think it's a very good film. But I think it's such a divisive movie that um, it's it's just stuck in its own way. So... Yep, two and a half out of five for me for Mother, and um, 
Darren Aronofsky. Uh, we'll see nine years down the road when he makes another film. What a guy. Yeah, we'll see what it's good after he's put three children in Jennifer Lawrence and leaves town. So, okay. I mean, third, third time's oh. the charm in his Yeah! Days. The inspiration. Oh. Yeah, I... I don't really like this movie. <laughs> I, uh, really? I'm, oh, I'm with Anna in that I give it a one out of five, actually. And, mm. um, and my scale is like a half, so it could have gotten possibly a half. But it didn't, just like, you know, with you with zero. And I'm almost proud of myself that my immediate reaction when I walked out of this, that I didn't give it the lowest possible score I would give it. Because with his fucking vulture uh article saying that like of course we got enough like that's what we meant to do like i'm glad that i didn't fall into that trap because this is not really worth a distinction no, it's not. <laughs> and, and, and a, a an f so to speak or a low lowest rating whatever is a distinction in some way or another mm-hmm. and at the end of the day sure he can make a movie but doesn't mean he made a movie worth seeing and that, those are two different things and I'm here's what I find crazy about this, and I think Tucson now can kind of back me up on this, which is that think about how many things in this movie is right up or are right up my alley. Uh, single location. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, single location. Uh, surreal paranoia horror. That's not you know hell bent on scares, but more whatever on uh, just tension, so to speak. And I am also a big fan of religious allegory. Not necessarily allegory, but exploring religion. Counter-interpretations. Yes, um, where you're not depicting it as usually praised, but more as uh, uh, hedonistically... I mean, uh, you you look at, speaking of the Gleason brothers, I mean, you look at a great film like... um, In Bruges? No, 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 no. Well, In Bruges is also a great I was film. Thinking of also Gleason, so I was that. thinking of Brendan Gleeson. No, um, Cavalry, which is a oh, fantastic yeah. film. Which Absolutely. It has a lot to say about religion. Both and has, of those are. And, and what's weird about, yeah. not weird, but what's great about something like Cavalry is that I think what's fantastic about that movie is mm-hmm. that I can watch that and I can think, God damn, religion is so fucked up. Like, Holy shit, you know, as far as what he thinks he has to do look for at how, parishioners. Look at how someone else can watch it and say, look at how religion saved this exactly. person. Exactly, and I think both of those are equally valid because of how rich that text is, so to speak. Where here, Aronofsky is only interested in doing a matriarchal slant on every trope we remember from Bible class that we barely paid attention to. And because of that, I just wasn't really interested in. I've certainly, he can, like you mentioned earlier, sound mixing was actually pretty great because, like I said, he knows how to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually genuinely surprised by the fact that even though it was almost virtually all handheld camera, the shots were extremely well composed. It's very hard to make picturesque uh, compositions when you're doing just the over-the-shoulder uh, you know, free uh, hand shots, but he was actually able to make some pretty distinctive uh, images. But all that's in service of what? I I, I know of what, but I, I don't really care. And so overall, I give it one out of five. Like It doesn't, it doesn't uh, stoop to the level where I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but I am aggressively not... Uh, interested in what it has to scream at me. So, one out of five. So, I've talked about this at length with a lot of my other colleagues who have managed to, like, make it out to the theater and watch it. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember there's one 
There was one note from one of my colleagues. Uh, it was kind of a flippant note, but you know, I, I, I give it to him. Where he's just like, this is going to be one of those films that people dismiss. He said it was okay. He didn't really care about it. He didn't know. But it's like, it's going to be one of those films where people, there's going to be people who genuinely don't like it. And there's going to be people who performatively don't like it because they're trying to signal their intellectual superiority. I don't agree with that shit. I understand what this film is about. And I think it's bullshit to quote another one of my colleagues. Um, I have thought about this and I've already articulated my points on this. And, you know, there's a lot of I've read a few pieces about this from people that I really respect and people who I genuinely like look up to as writers. And one of them is Clayton Purdom, who writes for the AV Club. And he wrote a piece about like watching it with his his pregnant wife. And like he had this like that would be weird. I know it was it was it was it was, it was that that's, that's I don't mean what, like bad. I mean yeah, like that's that what was... that's what he was recounting. He was recounting a very personal and visceral raw experience of. I hope just that like, doesn't happen to our baby. Yeah, he's like, well, no, no. It Fingers was, crossed. It, it was. It's a really good piece, and I and I would recommend like that's never re- coming out of you. Of, of really, I would actually really recommend like going out and seeking out that piece because it's very good. Yeah. But there's 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 a final sentiment to it um, that I want to touch on, and it's like. As a self-contained story, it finds redemption only in molten apocalypse, catharsis only in bloodshed, but its very existence is counter to the misanthropic vision of humanity it portrays. You make a movie like Mother when you retain hope that minds can still be changed, that all yet isn't isn't that all isn't yet lost for the planet or for the people inheriting it. And that's a very beautiful sentiment and a very awesome conclusion to that piece. I, however, cannot agree with that. I can't. Because of what Darren Aronofsky himself has said about it, and I'm going to reiterate again, it's like he says, he's holding up a mirror to what's going on, all of us are doing this, but that final chapter hasn't been written, and hopefully things can change. I, Alex, I, I, I concede your point, but I cannot agree that he made the film that he wanted to make. I think that he believes that he made the film he wanted to make, but he really is just absorbed up his own ass and doesn't understand that. Like he... There, there are so many things going on. There are so many mixed signals in this film, and there is, frankly, on 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 a top level level perspective of of religious allegory, I don't feel it's redemptive because it's just showing that, like 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 I said before, like human beings cannot change for the fact that they. They know not what they do. They cannot understand that this is cyclical. They can't uh, cyclical. They can't understand that this is going to keep on happening over and over again. They're they're not privy to that. They look to Javier Bardem's character to guide them, but Javier Bardem's character is completely lacking in any type of self awareness, <clears throat> and really, it just s- says that this is going to be a self perpetuating cycle because the one person who's capable of learning about anything can't learn shit. And so I can't, I, I I can't take this as anything but nihilistic. Like like this is this isn't like, th- th- like this this he he's he's talking about how he had a lot of anger and a lot of pent up anxiety and a lot of a lot of fear and he wanted to like <laughs> channel this into film. But really, all this is is a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing. That's what it is. Can I jump in before you give a rating? Yeah, and say exactly what you're saying, which is that I can't believe I went this entire episode without saying the one thing that I thought of immediately when I walked out of a theater, which is that this is uh, Lars von Trier for people who can't face the reality of Lars von Trier. Mm-hmm. Like I, 
I love Lars von Trier. It right. doesn't mean I love every new film coming out at some point, it right? It does, yeah. and I'm excited. <laughs> is it actually going to be in theaters anywhere? Or Probably. No? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Nymphomaniac was kind of not. Melancholia went to theaters, yeah. but Nymphomaniac is kind of unmarketable. It's funny that you yeah. mentioned Lars von Trier because I'm gonna let you go. Like, I'm gonna no. let you. Oh, because because I was talking with my colleagues about this, where I was just like, you know, this is the kind of film that makes me want to rewatch Antichrist yeah. for the fact that you know, e- even with Lars von Trier, given his his nihilism and his his heavy handedness, equally in his own right, at least it feels like he's trying to get at a yeah. point versus this is trying to like hit every target and missing. And Lars von Trier has the same quote-unquote excuse for writing the movies he does, which yeah. is like he points to uh, Melancholia yeah. like, or Antichrist especially where uh, he's like, yeah, I was uh, not yet sober and I was extremely depressed and wanted to kill myself and therefore I wrote these movies. Boy, it seems like that's the answer to every one of his films. And I agree, <laughs> Yeah, but... And his his thing though is instead of saying like someone like Aronofsky says, "Well, I was holding up a mirror to everybody else." Von Trier usually does it inward. He's he, like, he "I him. just couldn't really wrestle with what I was dealing with, so I had to put my ugliness on screen." And, and I actually think that that's why he's better at capturing the human spirit. And I think people get angry at Lars von Trier movie mm-hmm. because at the end of the day he writes people and that's why you get invested in it and that's why you kind of get sick by it right? because you're like oh why did I have to but you've sit- had sex with hundreds of men but well then, that's true but then you, you <laughs> when, when, but you're still a rapist when you're so. talking about holding up a mirror like both outward and inward yeah there's this quote by Jonathan Swift that I really like that I had to bring up, which is like satire is a sort of glass wherein beholders do generally discover everybody's face but their own and that's what I feel like. Yeah. And that's what I feel like ab- ab- about ab- ab- about this film in general. Because yeah. like you're trying to, it's like this funhouse mirror that you're trying to like bend towards your audience, and you're just it it, it becomes transmogrified in the, in the the second half. But really, the the most salient reflection that comes through is your own, right. and you can't even like see Aronofsky it. is basically like, oh, hold on, I'm in the shot. Exactly. Whoops. Yes, you're in the shot. <laughs> this is you. This is all just you, and you won't fucking admit it. And it's just fucking infuriating. It's fucking infuriating. Whereas, Did we get a rating in there? Uh, no, it's a one. It's a it's it's a it's a hard one. Um, going on the shit list. I've, yes. I've, the non-existent shit I've list, seen it twice. I give, too I give, many. I've, <laughs> I've given it the rating that I feel like I can I can live with. I don't really? care if his if if history finds a way to exonerate this film. Well, fuck. I, I then I'll cop to that. But right now I cannot in in this in this in in the fresh sense of mind of coming out of this film and talking about this film. I can't see how you're going to cut that Gordian knot. I'm sorry. It's it's just irredeemable for me. And in, in uh, as, think, as a whole, I think a lot of actually it's it's amazing. And fuck the Bible. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Like, what did that ever do for anybody? Black Swan's made a bit of a turnaround over time. Because well, at least first, Black Swan, he was cribbing from the best, like Michael Powell and Eric Bestberger with The Red Shoes, which Black Swan is basically a remake of. Yeah. Like, if you're going to remake the Bible... But hmm. at, at first, a lot of people were somewhat lukewarm on Black Swan. Yeah. And that's... If you look at people's overall thoughts on it, people... For the most part, say it's a good movie, and I actually think it's a fantastic film. The thing about the Black Swan is that it came out in the same year, I believe, as Brokeback Mountain. So I think a lot of people thought that no, they're... Black Swan was after Brokeback. Was yeah, it really? I was say. Black the, Swan oh, was like two thousand seven and two thousand nine. It's like two thousand eleven. I That's think. right. Never it was mind. like 
It was. It was. I don't know why I have those two movies like inexplicably tied up together. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I bought them the same day. Mm. Anyway, at, at any rate, it, it's just it's um, you know those films are so interested in specific characters and allowing their traits to sort of come out as a whole. While here, it seems like the traits of the world go inward and it and it fucks up the story. So yeah. that's part of the problem. The moral of mother is watch the wrestler. <laughs> you hit it right on the head. The wrestler oh is God. definitely an outlier in his career filmography. And the wrestler oh, is a great shit. film. It's my favorite sports movie ever made. And I'm not saying that as like a cheat. It is a sports movie. It's all about a person who gives his you know mm-hmm. life to a particular athletic event. Mm-hmm. Uh certainly is slightly more slower pace or whatever, but uh it is one of the uh, it's probably one of my favorite movies. I mean the idea that he misses um Evan Rachel Woods meeting with him after she somewhat accepts him back because he was sleeping off a coke high after yep. nailing some girl at a bar is I mean who hasn't been there right like <laughs> it, it's true that film. man it's it, it, back, it is Can't it really. is the polar opposite of mother where anyone who says that it's not a really good film I'd have an interesting time having an argument with them because I think it's a fantastic film where this one if anyone says this is this is not good I'd be like yep <laughs> yep, I'm not going to die on that hill. Yeah. If you have any thoughts on Mother, which I know a lot of people who do have thoughts on yeah, it, if you one saw another, it, you probably do. Yes. Uh, feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Coming up next week is almost like an obligatory episode because our first ever episode here on Film Tank was we did a, a new film at the time, which was the original Kingsman. And we've made the original. It, we've made it all the way to the sequel. That classic Kingsman. Well, that's that's an opinion. With my husband Taryn Edgerton. Aww. You really oh. Did your boyfriend know? Really? Yeah. Oh, yes. no. That's good. You can go Have you seen the film have, have you seen the film Legend? No. Don't. Oh yeah, with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I don't know what you're thinking of. <laughs> that would have been great if it had Tom wait, Cruise in what? it. What? Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's that's no. an actual film. No. No, that's an actual film from nope. 1985 yeah, with Tom, yeah, Cru- with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. Jesus. Oh, okay. No, Tucson, we're this not talking about that. This is literally the fucking I know what you're cool. talking The moment that I started thinking about it, but no, we're not talking about that. No, we're talking about the silly gangster film that came out a couple of years ago with oh. Tom Hardy playing twins. Mm. Shooter! Yes, that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A shootout one of a motherfucking bloody shootout. <laughs> Anyways, Which so our is first weird, he's like he's cribbing the lines from uh, Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. No shootout. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Anyways, the one um the one twin brother has a has a uh relationship, a sexual relationship with Taryn Egerton. Yes. So I'm grimacing. <laughs> Well, just wait till you hear what the other Tom Hardy has to say about that. <laughs> At any rate, though, yeah. uh, I don't think any of us are interested in seeing this, but it feels like it just no. has to happen. So we're going I mean, to do if it. you say so. Shut the fuck up. So we're going to do an episode on Kingsman: The Golden Circle, which basically sounds like a sex act. It kind of does. Like, is he going to pee on somebody? I'm sure he is. 
in the butt. Yeah, it's going to be the final scene. It's like, yes. now you're ready for the golden circle. <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh. Well, okay, guys. Really? You're saying that this is in no way uh, associated with Kingsman? That's how that movie No, I, I, I know it is, but I just like, I, I don't want to have to deal with that. You're going We're to going be... from this podcast episode mm-hmm. to watching one of the most uh, significant nudie cuties made... In the 50s or the 60s, I forget. Uh-huh. you got to be ready for this, T-Sot. And you, can, you kind of have to explain to the audience now what a nudie cutie actually is. So a nudie is. cutie was basically what folks had before pornography was uh, legal. Folks had, you know. Um, it Back was when a... people used to wear hats and stand up when women came to the table. and everything. Back when they used to show their ankles. Oh, you, oh, you wish. No. Um, the, this was a genre of film that was basically greenlit because the only pretense of their existence was to show topless women. You Literally in the industry, they used to say, you're not allowed to show pickled or beavers. That's penis or vagina for the uh, layman, <laughs> but not the lay layman. Mm-hmm. Um, and these <laughs> films only existed in which to show uh, topless women. Usually, uh, Doris Wishman, for example, was a big uh, uh, person who used to do these kind of films. And she used to do, like, for example, like she used to do nudist camp movies. That was like the first originating, like where you, they had a practical reason as to why people were naked. But then it moved on to bizarre things. Like I had told you guys about this uh, on a previous episode, Nude on the Moon, where two astronauts land on the moon and they find that, oh, there are humans and for whatever reason, they're all naked. And anyway, the situations and scenarios got weirder from there, like the one we're going to watch tonight, uh-huh. um, in which they became these ridiculous vaudeville uh, burlesque shows on uh, celluloid. And they're amazing. I'm so glad that the audience was enlightened. Hey, if you haven't seen a nudie cutie, at least watch one. Like You there literally you are missing out on an actual chunk of film history. It lasted 20 years. Sure. It did. Okay. Um, good, good to hear. Are any of their titles on a uh, vinegar syndrome? I'm sure they are. Uh, yes, but I'm blanking is, is on it, which ones are. Is a, nude a on the lot moon of them? On vinegar no, syndrome? a lot of them are something weird video, okay. which are even cheaper. I'm just saying, like if you look, like they're like five dollars for a uh, usually a three pack or something. Mm. So okay. yeah, no, but uh, look up the name Doris Wishman, uh, David Friedman. Doris Wishman, actually, I almost brought this. Created the infamous uh, Chesty Morgan series. <laughs> Hold on, in which Chesty Morgan, an actual actress, a Polish actress, mm-hmm. played a secret agent in which she had apparently her breasts measured. Oh, just a whole, I didn't do this. <laughs> measured seventy-three something inches. I don't know, whatever. But right. the measurements were seventy-three. I'm not. She uh, had large breasts. Exactly. Um, comically large, I I would add, mm-hmm. and she was a secret agent in which she had an actual her, her character had uh, a camera installed God damn it. in, and so if she, uh, let's just put it delicately, if she squeezed it, she could take pictures <sighs> of meetings that were going oh. on. It, it, it was not oh. it, yeah. Um, and then in the second movie, because there were more than <laughs> one, she found out that there was a bomb that got implanted oh. in there. And it was a real racing. 
against the clock. Let's just say she was booby trapped, my friend. Oh, you piece of shit. Anyway, I hate you. Like I said, this was a huge chunk of cinema history. Yes, this is high times. <laughs> Fantastic. So anyways, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, also high <laughs> is times. Is what we were talking about? <laughs> also high times for film. Also high times. And I'm saying, uh, this is a film that really got a fouling for a two-minute, 40-second scene that involved uh, a crazy shootout in the middle of a... What was it? A Kentucky Baptist the church? church. Baptist yeah, church? Westboro Baptist yeah. Church. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, Freebird that was playing. Yes. Yes. yes, I'll say. I mean, that was an awesome scene, but I don't think that this needed a franchise. Yeah. So, here but we it's are. based on a comic book series. That doesn't matter. So is Watchmen. My problem with Kingsman, and I'll get <laughs> Watchmen more is getting into an this. HBO series. It is. I, Ooh, very cool. I told Nick we're doing an episode on the Watchmen film, and I told just Alex because I think it's going to be an interesting episode. I told Alex, I guess I'll have to actually watch Watchmen from start to finish. Tucson is so looking forward to that. But if we watch it, we have to watch the director's cut. Is that four hours? I don't know what it is, but if I'm only going to watch it once, I need to watch every single thing that's ever been made. You need to get slapped (laughs) in the face. Maybe they do 3D. I haven't even watched that shit where they include the Black Freighter stuff. You haven't even watched it, but you love Watchmen. I've seen... Yeah, I love Watchmen. I love the fucking comic book Watchmen. I'm just Watchmen. surprised you have never seen the He director's wants to cut. put his glasses on and get slapped hey. in the face with Dr. Manhattan's dick. I've okay? seen, I love the opening credits. I've seen really good. the film yeah. in theaters, That's but we're going to talk about it. you have a director's cut? In. No. I have the well, someone's going to get well, it. Well, you're going to get it. I'm not going to get it. It's probably it like four ninety nine at Target. Yeah. No, Watchmen is a tough film, and we'll get into it when we do an episode on it someday. But Kingsman Golden Circle next week. We'll see what that is. <laughs> you can find all of our episodes online For at most of filmtankshow.com <laughs> unless Nick hasn't uploaded them. That's me. You can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher as well. And you can very rarely find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. I think we posted on there Just around this time give last up on year. Instagram. Yeah. That was a Kenny thing. I tried. I tried you a while did. ago. Problem is oh Instagram. My God, did I try? Problem is uh-huh. Instagram doesn't allow you to do links, so it's like, what's the point? Yeah, it, it just. I, I try to like put cool things up, and then I'm just like putting things that aren't our own things. It's yeah, just, eh. but, and we haven't really gone to see a movie together, all three of us, in quite a while. And then you're just posting pictures of like Toussaint taking. Although that one photo that <laughs> I think I did actually post to the Instagram photo with uh, Toussaint giving like the biggest black guy smile next to the Kevin Klein cutout that was in the dumpster from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, oh, that was great. What? I love that. You don't remember I that? Not, no, I don't remember Oh, that. man, it was great. He's like we Bill didn't Cosby see that, movie that shit with his mouth. He's like, yeah. Huh? We didn't even see that movie together. No, we didn't. But that's what that's what made it so great. Oh. It was outside. Because the Beauty and the Beast standy was in the dumpster. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. <laughs> and now. Kevin Klein just like sticking out the top. That's right. Really excited to be there. Maurice. <laughs> yes. What's in a moment? <laughs> so I am anyways. so here for Nick reciting all of Beauty and the Beast. Don't, don't say, say that, that because it will happen. You don't know this yeah. guy and his Beauty and the Beast love. It I, is a something. It is. So, but I won't do it. Thank you. Thank you. I, the whole world thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much to Ana Botazado for you joining again us for again. Having me back. Oh, it's it's it, always a pleasure. It's... Sorry, Tucson talked over you. That was. Really <laughs> 
I mean, sorry, everybody talked over me. I'm kidding. Aww. <laughs> yep. I'm kidding. It's always no, fun this to is be great. here. We've had our first two-hour episode in a while, so you, you've hey. reinserted some life into our podcast. Not that it got stale. You brought life back to this podcast. I'm glad to help. <laughs> Thank, <with> you. That. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not that you guys can't do that on your own, but I'm you glad really to be can't. here. It, it's, it's, a, it's a real... I mean, we, me and Nick did some episodes, me and him, and like... Some of them were bad movies, so but it was like thirty-five minutes. Yeah, there was one episode where I did Bill Clinton for a while. Jesus Christ! Yeah, no, it was Bill Clinton. Have we posted that yet? Uh, you haven't. I mean, not we. <laughs> <laughs> Have I posted that yet? It's on Dropbox. I don't remember Didn't which episode that was. No, it's it's up there. Okay. I well, went, look I, forward I, to that. I tried to find good clips throughout it, and I just kept running into Bill Clinton impersonations. So you, I'm guessing the intro was just Bill. Clinton. There's no intro. God damn it. <laughs> I did that for nothing. Was that the Good Time episode, or was it Logan Lucky? I can't remember. Nah, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Well, if you're listening to this, you probably have already heard it, or you haven't because. You or know. we didn't post this episode till 2018, so it doesn't really matter. That's true. <laughs> By the way, Trump's still president. What's up with that? It's timely. That's good. <laughs> it's always timely at this point. Yeah, I guess that's all right. How about that, Sean Spicer? Yeah. <sighs> Hey, he was at the Emmys. He was for sure at the Emmys. That comeback tour, that's not going so great. (laughs) Don't call it a comeback. He was always here. Fuck Hollywood. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Hooray for Hollywood. Anyway. Enemoto Zadu. Yep. Tucson Egan. Nick Cheney. Myself, Alex Diekman. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you're Alex Diekman. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Mother! Holy shit. Wow. We're all deaf now because of Tucson. First of all, I was hard of hearing to begin with, so. And why are black people so loud? <laughs> oh, can I say, I'm not. Will this ever end? <laughs> I'm not going to stereotype you, Tucson, but I am going to recite what you did during our screening of Mother, which I'll let the audience draw their own conclusions based on racial stereotypes. But this was the first time in a while where I saw a movie with Tucson where in a crowded theater, he was yelling at the screen, Oh, shit! Oh, shit! No, don't open that door. Don't fall asleep. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. A pregnant woman literally fell down on the floor, and I thought she was going to have a miscarriage. I'm like, holy we shit. We all thought that. You just said it. It was entertaining. It I was visceral. It. Sorry. It was. No, she it was pregnant. Weird. Yo, she pregnant. Yeah. I think they know that. I know, but like, <laughs> I don't know, seeing a pregnant woman fall on the floor, I'm just like, man. I'm... How come nobody did that in my theater? Because yeah. Tucson wasn't there. <laughs> yes, that's actually the reason. That's all right. It's too bad you weren't able to go see uh, Neon Demon with us. That was no, such a fun No, it's not too bad. Because it was one of the worst nights of my life. Nick, no. Nick was no. so pissed. He actually was in the moment. I was pissed, but, but it wasn't like, I'm not yeah. like. To be fair, the girls behind us who were heckling sort of like gave us emboldened us with the, Me the spirit to be able to do would it. Would not have been heckling if it weren't for them. Yeah, well, I don't want to blame, yeah. but yeah, it kind of sounded like it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, they were really the driving force. Yeah. From Anabodazadu, Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you so much for catching up with us here at Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next time. <laughs>